It's Monday, January 22nd, and in the Granite State, nothing is set in stone. We start here. I am today suspending my campaign. Barely a day before polls open in New Hampshire, Ron DeSantis calls it quits. He suddenly started to be really self-aware of all of the missteps and the stumbles in his own campaign. Now, with a two-person race, we're following the remaining candidates across the state. You expecting a high turnout? I think we will have a good turnout. Asking what's next for the campaigns, the voters. I'm just seeing a lack of energy, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of engagement. And whether this could all be over before the other 48 states get a chance. From ABC News, this is a special edition of Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. Last week, the morning after the Iowa caucuses, I flew straight here to New Hampshire. The race for the Republican nomination was in flux, but little did we know, we hadn't seen anything yet. See, in a normal primary season, a bunch of candidates come into Iowa and New Hampshire. They flood the place. After Iowa, a couple drop out. After New Hampshire, a few more. These early contests are supposed to winnow the field to the point where a few people are competing in South Carolina, Nevada, Super Tuesday. But this year, something else is happening. There isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why... I'm suspending my campaign tonight. Former President Donald Trump was already such a fearsome opponent that some candidates had dropped out before the Iowa caucuses began, when he posted the highest margin of victory in the history of the Iowa Republican caucus. There is no path for me to be the next president. More campaigns fell by the wayside. The only viable alternatives that seemed to survive were Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. This had quickly become a three-person race, which you'd think would favor the people who finished first and second. But there's a saying in New Hampshire, Iowa picks corn, New Hampshire picks presidents. And yesterday, less than 48 hours before polls opened, before the first primary ballots had been cast in this country, Ron DeSantis bowed out of this race. We don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. Forget Super Tuesday, forget delegates at the convention. We've got a one-on-one battle right now, Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. And if Trump wins big again, there's a very real possibility this could be over tomorrow. So how big was this new development? We're tromping around the state to find out. Okay, so we are here in Manchester, New Hampshire, where Rachel Scott just got back from an event where Donald Trump was not only rallying his supporters, he also announced the endorsement of Governor Ron DeSantis. Rachel, this seems big, right? Why why did DeSantis drop out? Yeah, Brad, look, I think DeSantis started to see the writing on the wall here. And and just look at this from a year ago. I remember being out with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He was painted as the future of the Republican Party. This was the guy that had the best shot at defeating Donald Trump. Truth needs to be our foundation. Common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. And then we went through sort of a glitchy campaign launch to his campaign burning through millions of dollars in cash infighting, staff nearly coming to blows. Governor DeSantis, did your campaign grow too big too fast? No, look, I think at the end of the day, when you when you start, there's certain investments that you make. And then he staked his entire campaign on Iowa, only to come into a distant second place to Donald Trump. And so just a few days ago, I had asked him, 
do you honestly still believe that you can actually win the Republican nomination? As long as I'm in the hunt, um, that, that tells me that I have uh, that I'm seeing a pathway. The minute I don't, then I'm not just going to do this for, um, you know, just for my health. And from what I've heard from sources, that's when he started to understand that there really was no path for him. Trump was the far and away front runner, and they basically put it to him like this. Do you really want to limp all the way through New Hampshire, we're going to have a disappointing finish, and into South Carolina, where Trump is extremely popular, or do you just want to get out of the race now? Well, so then, did that just take a while to see the writing on the wall? Because I'm just wondering, why not do it right after the Iowa caucuses? Or, or why not do it after Tuesday? Why do it a couple days before the primary? DeSantis really wanted this to be a one-on-one race between himself and the former president. I mean, he was determined to just stay in the race for the long haul. We get great reception. Um, You know, we're, as this thing turns, you know, we're going to be in a good situation. He convinced himself that, yeah, maybe he won't do so well in New Hampshire, but maybe Nikki Haley will drop out. He suddenly started to be really self-aware of all of the missteps and the stumbles in his own campaign. He started saying, I should have done media earlier. And, you know, I really want Nikki Haley to sort of get out of the race so then I could just take on Trump myself. But I think the more that he started talking to close aides and advisors around him, the more they just painted this grim picture of a campaign that really just failed to launch, failed to get off the ground and struggled to actually prove that they had a chance against Trump. And I also forget that South Carolina, it's not like South Carolina is next week. Yeah. <laughs> like he'd, he'd have to survive for a while. That's the other thing. He had to survive for weeks. And so this idea that he was just going to skip New Hampshire and move right into South Carolina, maintaining that momentum for that long is really, really difficult when you're already trailing in the polls by a significant amount. Haley's team kept saying, you know, DeSantis should drop out. We think this is a one-on-one race already. So now he has. But is it a given that now all of his support coalesces around her? Like, who who does this help? It's not necessarily a given that all of DeSantis' supporters are just suddenly going to swing Nikki Haley's way. I mean, you know, we definitely saw that with Chris Christie. A lot of Christie supporters said that they would end up supporting Nikki Haley. I will tell you from a lot of the DeSantis supporters that I talked to, they honestly really like Trump. And some of them that I've talked to said, yeah, well, if DeSantis drops out, uh, maybe I'll go back to the former president. Which brings us to the topic of this endorsement, right? Because that seems like the other big thing here. Not only does DeSantis get out of the race, but he explicitly tells his supporters, hey, now that I'm gone, you got the green light. You should you should honestly vote for Trump. And I was at the event earlier this weekend where Trump got the other big endorsement of this weekend. Tim Scott, the South Carolina senator from the same state as Nikki Haley, threw his support behind Trump. Is this just Trump trying to slam the door shut with all these endorsements? Slam the door shut, close it out very quickly. That is the goal of Trump right now. And I mean, Brad, just, oh boy, how quickly they all sort of fell in line here. Trump is trying to make it to where someone that kisses the ring, even if they're not faithful to the core conservative values, somehow they're a member in good standing just by doing that. DeSantis just a week ago told me that if you don't like the former president and you don't go kiss his ring, then he trashes you, that you could be the best Republican in the world. But if you don't kiss the ring of the former president, then he's against you. He was sort of criticizing and complaining about this deep loyalty to Trump that this party has. And then Look how quickly he endorsed him. I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. I mean, within minutes, he drops out of the race. And then at the end of that video announcement, he's back in Trump. And then you have Senator Tim Scott, who at one point said he didn't think that Trump could actually win the nomination. We need a president 
who understands the American people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, he drops out of the race, and then he delivers this massive blow to Nikki Haley as she's coming up here in New Hampshire, sticks by Donald Trump, and of course, the ultimate dagger here is that she appointed him to the Senate. And so here you have Trump really locking in all of the support from his former rivals, and all of it is meant to send a very clear message to the entire Republican Party that this is his domination to lose. Yeah, and, and and that it's happening right now. Like, right now is his moment. You can tell, you can see his campaign almost going like, we can close the door here. Last question, Rachel. DeSantis getting out now, was this a result in some way of DeSantis deciding not to campaign here? Was that part of his undoing? Was just not participating in New Hampshire the way the others were. Yeah, you know, and I think for DeSantis, right, he thought that maybe the dynamics of this race was going to be different. We have an important mission tonight uh, to make our voice heard uh, and to really change uh, the course uh, of American politics. He thought that he was going to have a really substantial win in Iowa. I mean, his team was betting on that state. He visited all 99 counties. He got the endorsement of the Republican governor. They were hoping for sort of this Iowa surprise, right, that would change the dynamics of this race. And when that didn't happen, and yeah, he came in second, but still it was far behind Trump. And then he really didn't campaign in New Hampshire at all. I mean, it really just set his campaign up to ultimately fail. And it landed him exactly where he is now, out of the race and backing the former president who we hope to defeat. Now into a one-on-one race effectively between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. Rachel Scott, wild day. We'll see what happens tomorrow, I guess. Oh, God, buckle up. Thanks, Brad. So that's what happens when you don't play in New Hampshire. Up next, we'll take a look at what happens when you do follow the playbook and whether it even gives Nikki Haley a shot. We're back in a bit. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on. But when it comes to your health, there should be no compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor. You know the type. Like, I've had this person before that doesn't actually listen to you or who seems just in a rush to end your appointment that you spent months making. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. So no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you got more options than you know. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. Go to ZocDoc.com slash start here and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash start here. ZocDoc.com slash start here. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever wondered what you would do with an extra hour in your day? I think about this all the time. I'm like, I would be so productive. I'd exercise more or I'd read a book or I'd take a nap, like restore myself. We often find ourselves yearning for these extra hours, but the real question is, what would you do if you were making yourself a priority? Well, how about therapy? It can help you discover what's important so you can make the most of your time. If you've ever benefited from therapy, you know how transformative it can be. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Therapy empowers you to learn positive coping skills, set boundaries, and become the best version of yourself. If you're considering starting therapy... 
you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And here's the beauty of it. You can switch therapists if you're not finding the right fit. No additional charge. Take the first step. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash start here today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash start here. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. So early. Mickey Haley has an event planned for 7 in the morning. So a lot of candidates pick one of the two early states to really focus on. Ron DeSantis clearly chose Iowa. Nikki Haley chose New Hampshire. Let's go find Nikki Haley. And recently, she's been doing all the things New Hampshire campaigns are famous for. Packed schedules, meeting voters, small venues, pressing the flesh. But what does that look like up close? And will it work? Small businesses are the heartbeat of our economy. We have to always remember that. And so thank you for what you do. I love this. I mean, I love another strong woman doing this. Haley starts her day at a country store in Newfield, New Hampshire, which has a population of less than 2,000. All right, everybody get out and vote on Tuesday. Take and while people are smiling, there aren't a ton of voters here. Granted, it's 7.30 in the morning, but Haley needs votes, and she needs them fast. You expecting a high turnout? I think we will have a good turnout. It looks like it's going to be 40 degrees and sunny. That's what we want to see. You know, you got to look at the fact that you look at Iowa. I mean, President Trump won a state of 3 million people with 56,000 votes. We had a very low turnout in Iowa. We're going to have a really good turnout in New Hampshire, so we feel good about it. I think we're going to have a great day. Now, if she's right about that, she's got a chance. The question's going to be, which voters actually do turn out tomorrow? By 8 in the morning, Haley stopped by a cafe in Hampton, New Hampshire. It's right next to a church from which Peggy Chittister and Kathy Lodico have just arrived. Did you come with we her because she was coming to Haley? Or no, is, you're we, just here. we came over here to have a cup of tea and um, at, we, went, we went to mass at quarter of seven. Kathy's a Democrat, Peggy's a Republican. But they have no problem talking politics with each other. And they're both kind of starstruck as Haley walks in the door, especially Peggy, who still hasn't totally decided who she'll be voting for. I, I do like her. I like what she stands for. I like how she speaks. I like that she's positive in her, everything that she talks about. Um, and I've said before, I like her pro-life position. She doesn't love Trump. She really dislikes Joe Biden. She's worried about both of their ages. And she tells me she can tell by someone's smile whether they care about regular people. Do they pass the handshake test? This is exactly the sort of person Haley needs to win over. Moderate Republicans and also independents. The majority of Americans have said they disapprove of Trump and Biden. Look at their approval numbers. They are in the tank. 
See, in New Hampshire, there are 260,000 registered Democrats, there are 270,000 registered Republicans, and there are 340,000 undeclared voters not registered with either party. That group, the biggest of any of them, is allowed to register with either party on the day of the primary. Many of them remain undeclared purposefully so they can participate in whichever contest is more competitive. And this is why New Hampshire is such a wild card. Nikki Haley, I know her well. It's why Trump has been so singularly focused on Haley here. But she's made an unholy alliance with the rhinos. If loads of moderates, and even perhaps liberals, come in and break for Haley, that could be the difference between Haley getting blown out and winning the thing. Eventually, Haley comes over. She shakes hands with Kathy and Peggy, who's beaming. How was that? That was awesome. That's great. <laughs> I feel like a traitor. Because you, you're a Democrat and you just took hands with the Gailey? No, I think it's, this is what America's about. So does she have it? Does she have what? Does she have your vote? She yeah. Smile, yeah. Does, she have your, does she have the smile you were talking exactly. about? Exactly. She does. She's being out very sincere. You know, you know it's, it's, a, it's not a fake plastic one. It's a very sincere one. So yes, definitely. If you're looking for one vote, count this as a success. Before this event, this woman was a maybe. Now she's a fan. All right, I'm going to steal you because we're on to another cop. We're on to another cafe yet again. And at each of these stops, Nikki Haley has a hype man showing her around. The governor of New Hampshire himself, Chris Sununu. So in between Haley appearances, he stopped by to chat with us. I spent six, really almost a year, six months to a year, kind of shepherding all the candidates around. And so I went around with you know, Ron and Chris and pretty much all of them. Uh, I don't know if I did anything with Vivek, which I'm not crying about, obviously. Um, guy's a weirdo. Sununu is known for being plain spoken. He likes retail politics. He's not afraid of a bold statement. Because of her strength, she's taking the non, whether it is the non-Trump vote or whatever it is, it's all galvanizing around her, right? I mean, Trump didn't knock DeSantis out, right? Nikki knocked, is effectively knocked DeSantis out, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, well, look, DeSantis got his 20% in Iowa. That was a terrible showing, considering he put every dollar, every ounce. He had kind of left New Hampshire long ago um, because he had to put everything into Iowa because Nikki was surging out there. So he puts everything into Iowa and barely scratches a second place finish. That's because the pressure Nikki was putting on out there. The one place, though, where he grows cagey is whether you ask him if Nikki Haley will win here. The fact we've been talking about whether or not she can win is amazing. I think she has to win. Oh, God, no. No one is. Who has ever said the only person that has to win is Trump, which is kind of true. Haley has never said she'll drop out if she fails to win New Hampshire. But leading into Iowa with her poll numbers surging, her team was sounding as bullish as you can get. Here's Sununu talking to ABC's Jonathan Carl in December. No, it's it's a win in a reset button. If everyone that could vote in the primary comes out and votes. Not only she's going to win in a landslide, and and that's not an exaggeration. So you're going to see you're a record the bar for you here. No, it's, it's not an expectation. He knows his state better I than know, I it's do. It's not an expectation. It's people getting excited. It's exciting. We can feel it on the ground. We're going to do this. But after her third place finish, as New Hampshire polls still show her trailing by double digits, he's now started telling the press that they're aiming for a strong second. Which means what exactly? So I ask you what the expectation is. Is there a number in mind? No, I don't think it's a number. I think it's just showing showing a, a, a good, you know, stronger, built-on result uh, out of Iowa. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it is. Now, that's all the rosy view of what's about to happen for Nikki Haley. And if it happens, it's also going to show you how important the New Hampshire primary is. But some others who know the state's politics just as well see something else happening. 
Wayne McDonald is a lifelong Republican. He's actually a former leader of the New Hampshire GOP. Nothing over here. Oh, I, I, this is something you might be interested in. A picture, of, an autograph picture with Christie and me in 2015. His house is like a shrine to traditional Republican values. He's got plaques on his wall commemorating his time on the Junior Chamber of Commerce. The centerpiece of his living room is Ronald Reagan memorabilia. Reagan greeting Donald Trump at the White House and uh, well during his presidency. I don't know exactly what year that was. Oh, that's Trump and Reagan. Wow. And until recently, he was the head of Chris Christie's steering committee here in New Hampshire. You remember when Christie dropped out a while back and he was caught on a hot mic backstage saying Haley's going to lose? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She hasn't even been. And she's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's, gonna, he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, the other voice on that hot mic is Wayne McDonald. This is the guy Christie was talking to. It was clear what was about to happen, even though I hadn't been officially told up until then. Uh, he was hugging people and shaking hands. He saw me walk in. I, t- you know, I talked to, De- DeSantis called me, petrified that I would... He's probably getting out after Iowa. When Christie dropped out, the thinking was, wow, this is great for Nikki Haley, right? She's probably the next most moderate voice in the field. She's a fellow former governor. If Christie was to endorse her, she could probably pick up a lot of his votes. But that endorsement never came. She's not ready for this. She's not up to this. She's going to get smoked. And so far, he's been right, and I think he's going to continue to be right. Uh, I've made it very plain that I will not be supporting Governor Haley. I'm not sure where my vote goes on Tuesday. And when I asked McDonald more about this, it became a bit clearer why Christie supporters aren't all necessarily Haley supporters. Despite Christie being so firmly anti-Trump, the only person McDonald would rule out was Haley. The thing about Chris Christie is he answers the questions. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't, but he answers the question and he gives you a detailed answer. Nikki Haley does not do that. In fact, in many cases, she doesn't even take questions. And if she does, uh, it's a very brief answer. And it's not a consistent answer. He says he's more likely to vote for Trump than Haley. Some of his colleagues, he says, will vote for Christie, even though he suspended his campaign. And you might be thinking, well, this is just sour grapes, right? In a two-person race with so much on the line, everyone else will be fired up. Maybe not. Can you say hey? You're not usually at all this shy. I'm at the home of Fergus Cullen, who's in the middle of wrangling his three-year-old. I know this is your first primary. You've never seen it before. <laughs> but you've gone. All these people but, come to town. But you went and saw Nikki Haley with me, right? You saw you saw Mike Pence with me. Cullen was also once the leader of the New Hampshire GOP. It's a quick turnaround there. But he's not working on a campaign this cycle. He does consider himself a never-Trumper, but of all Trump's opponents, he has not had a dog in this fight. And while state officials are expecting record crowds, he's still not so sure. What have you been noticing on the Republican side? Well, first of all, less of everything. Fewer candidates, fewer events, fewer opportunities for regular voters to interact with candidates. Their campaigns have basically no staff. This campaign has really been waged on cable TV. He's right, by the way. As I've been driving around all week, I am struck by how few yard signs I see compared to past primaries. The dearth of outdoor rallies. Cullen says he knows what a surging New Hampshire campaign looks like. He has watched John McCain and Bernie Sanders and the cusp of up 
He's not seeing that here. And when I saw Nikki Haley recently, I noticed, you know, the audience giving her polite applause, scattered applause, but people weren't getting out of their seat. They weren't standing up. They weren't clapping. This was not a lot of energy for her. And I think that's indicated by some of the polling that shows that half of her voters are for Haley and the other half are sort of tactically voting for her because she's not Donald Trump and they'd like to see somebody else. He says even in polls where Haley is closing the gap with Donald Trump, Many respondents describe being more anti-Trump than pro-Haley. That is not usually a recipe for a shock win. I'm just seeing a lack of energy, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of engagement. You know, we can speculate all we want, but in the end of the day, there are a couple of quantitative things. Turnout in Iowa was down 40% from what it was in 2016. I just don't see any evidence that people are turning out here for events. Uh, I'm not expecting- oh, in, in Iowa, people are talking about like, oh, there's all the weather. You're saying it's not just a weather thing that there's the lack of enthusiasm. I mean, people in the Midwest are used to cold weather. People right. in New Hampshire are used to winter weather. I just uh, see that as a tangible proof that there's just less engagement. Now, your hardcore partisans who really are passionate, disproportionately Trump people, are going to show up. Uh, But especially in New Hampshire, where unaffiliated voters can vote in either primary, they need a reason to turn out. One reason to turn out, he says, would be a clear articulation of opposition to Trump, to say she will not serve as his VP, that she won't support his campaign, that she wouldn't even vote for him. And while Haley has been more direct lately, she hasn't gone that far. So it looks like America, we're looking at the election nobody wants, which is a rematch of Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And as Cullen continues, he seems resigned, not just about this race, but about the future of the entire New Hampshire primary. These campaigns that have to focus on small towns, eye contact, the setup that favors the underdog. Well, every cycle changes a little bit, but in 2016, Donald Trump won New Hampshire without doing town hall meetings, without taking questions from voters, without shaking many hands even. And he won. And I think a lot of people looked at it and said, you know, maybe 100 town hall meetings is kind of a waste of time. And so he blew up that system just as he's blown up so many things. And all this means that the stakes are higher than ever for Trump, for Haley, for the state of New Hampshire. We still have another 24 hours before polls open. Just imagine what other surprises could be in store. And y'all aren't even ready for some of the other interviews we've been getting up here. We've been journeying across the state. You know you're in New Hampshire when you start getting the moose warnings on the road. So we will have much more coverage of the primary as well as all the other stories popping off right now. First thing tomorrow from Manchester, New Hampshire, I'm Brad Milkey. See you then. The first ever criminal trial of a former president is underway in Manhattan. It's one of potentially four trials facing former President Trump as he makes his third bid for the White House. What do voters think about his culpability, and would a guilty verdict make a difference in the election? I'm Galen Druk, and every Monday and Thursday on the 538 Politics podcast, we break down the latest news from the campaign trail. We sort through the noise and zoom in on what really matters using data and research as we go. That's 538 Politics every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.